0: Welcome back to another week of the Rev MD podcast. I'm excited to chat with you guys this week because I have had several really good calls with colleagues, potential clients, and folks just around this general idea of I dislike my biller, now what? So this week, we're going to talk about a few things regarding basically what happens, right, when you're missing key things with your billing team or your individual biller, your in-house billing team, and now what do you do next? And so we're going to talk a little bit about the common things you really need to have as a process with your biller, and we're going to talk a little bit about that just overall claims process so you understand the pivot points around things your billing team should be providing. And then now what do you do when you know you're upset with what's going on? You're not happy with the service you're providing. Now what? So hopefully this can be an episode that folks who are out there going, gosh, I don't quite know what I'm getting. I don't think I'm getting what I need, but I don't know what the heck to do with it. So welcome back. That's what we're going to talk about this week. All right. So first things first, let's talk about some of those common things that you may realize aren't being done for you by your billing team, or there's not transparency around, right? I think there's got to be clear lines between what they're supposed to do, what your practice is doing what they're supposed to alert you on, right? Like if they aren't in charge of all of your credentialing issues, that's fine, but are they letting you know, hey, you've been denied by XYZ payer and someone in the office needs to sort that out if that's how you guys have divided up responsibilities. So we're gonna talk about a few common things, again, that happen when billers aren't kind of doing what they're expected to. And then again, like, you know, what we're supposed to do about it. So some common things that you really want to make sure that if your billers aren't doing this, you got a problem, or maybe you've already realized this, but just kind of putting it out there in words is going to make you think, oh, shoot, okay, aha, I need to make a change. So number one, not being transparent about credentialing or eligibility issues. This is the number one denial we see in practices, number one. And it's if your billing team isn't being transparent about when they're seeing denials for a credentialing issue or an eligibility issue, we've got to work through that. Now, it's one thing if it's one or two here and there, but if you have major issues, we've got to start realizing how to manage this so that you know, hey, shoot, I have a credentialing issue and I need to get credentialed with that payer. I have an eligibility issue and I need to have eligibility checked or be better about having eligibility checked for my front office. So making sure, again, a lot of this comes down to denials. I hate to say it, but the number one thing I've seen is if your billing group isn't on top of how to manage denials and being transparent about those denials and sending you those denial reports or managing them independently and shooting over issues to you, you're going to be in trouble. So number two is is really all about denials. I mean, it's you know, really making sure that you realize everybody's going to have denials. That's not a, that's not a fault of your billers, but then what do you do with the denials, right? Like practices that have two and 3% denials, that's normal, right? You're going to have those, you know, really even up to five to 10%, depending on your surgical subspecialty. But then now what are we doing, right? So common reasons for denials are going to be coding. So, Are your physicians and providers mid levels, whatever? Are they coding appropriately? And so, are you getting code um, denials for medical necessity issues? Right. So, if you guys aren't aware of this, right, a certain CPT code will have a list of ICD-10 codes that qualify for medical necessity, and you can actually find these on the Medicare website. And I know you can't find these for all of the different private payers, but in general you know, starting with the Medicare guidelines, good place to start. So, Then denials for eligibility. So that's when credentialing needs to get involved or your front office needs to get involved and recognize, hey, I'm not in network for Humana yet. We keep seeing Humana patients and then I get denials. And because of the No Surprises Act, it's not easy to just start passing all of those fees on to patients. You have to really have a plan of checking eligibility. I know we've talked about this many, many times. Checking eligibility and making sure that patients are checked ahead of time so you can deal with that before the patient is seen by the physician. Um, so the last of denials for prior auth, um, very common, especially if you're doing any sort of procedure. And it's often that you know you think, oh, I don't need a prior auth for that CBT. And you think you're fine. Well, you've got to be checking those portals. you got to check their, you know, which HMO plan they have. Do they have some weird you know, shoot off plan of one of the major payers. So you think, well, I'm credentialed with X, Y, Z, but it's not that specific plan. So you really have to get specific with um, procedures that are being done in your office, especially high ticket items. Just get the prior off. I know it's a pain, um, but you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you don't, and then you're dealing with a denial. Number three, so is not tracking your records, right? So if your billing team is not tracking your metrics at all, or you have very limited metrics, or maybe you don't know what the metrics mean and they're not meeting with you, huge red flag, okay? And this all ties together, right? Because if they're not being transparent about credentialing or eligibility issues, right, they're coming from your denials and you're not tracking your metrics, you can't catch things. And our billing team's not perfect. We have things that come up, but guess what? We catch them You know, in a process that we're working with the practice, we catch them in the metrics, we recognize, shoot, that didn't happen right. How do we go back to the drawing board? We catch that at week two, not at six months or a year or three years. And no one's perfect, especially when you have manual processes. You guys know how much I hate those. And I think that they are fraught for error. In your overall practice, the more you have of those. But if you do have them, and there are always going to be some manual practices. I think I posted something in in our Facebook group. Which, if you guys are listening, you're not a a member of our Facebook group. It is Facebook group RevMD R E V M D, and uh, come on over. We'd love to have you. So the but I posted in there just you know what manual practices are are people still managing and dealing with, and I'll probably do a podcast just on that. But anyway you've got to have some process around these sort of common things that your billers have to be doing. They have to be alerting you if they're credentialing or eligibility issues. They have to be tracking your denials and giving you that information so you know how to fix them. They need to be tracking your metrics and in partnership with you. So again, those are the top three common things that we are hearing. People come to us being like, I don't like my biller, I dislike my biller because of these three things. So now what, right? You aren't getting what you want. You aren't getting what you need. Now, how the heck do you get out? And How do you manage that process around framing what you need in order to put together to identify a new biller? Number one, first and foremost, you've got to review your contract. When can you get out? How do you get out? What is the clause in terms of the notice you need to give them? Are they going to manage your accounts receivable that's still pending or are you can you hand that to a new team? So those are kind of all of the legal things you need to sort out really before you even start searching for a new biller because the billers are going to ask for those questions, right? Like, okay, so you're unhappy. Do we start June 1st? What What's the plan here? Number two, we've got to start figuring out the technology piece. I know this isn't the fun part. Nobody likes to talk about software. But we have to figure out, okay, so if you have the contract, do your billers have the contract? Who has the contract with the software vendor for the billing piece? Right? So you've got your EMR and then you've got your your PM side of things that connects to your EMR, hopefully. If it doesn't connect, we gotta talk. And but it should connect. But if it you don't know who owns the contract, then figuring out a new billing situation. Where you still have that connectivity to your EMR to your PM software, so that you can do the billing out of there. How do you manage your old accounts receivable if, say, that accounts uh, that uh, PM software is owned by your prior biller? So all of those are kind of sort of the things that you kind of need to figure out. Um, and again, those are kind of questions you can, if you don't know, sit with your office manager, if they don't know, sit with your biller and go, Hey, I'm just trying to understand. (laughs) And again, hopefully someone in the office knows some answers to this, but these are the sort of things you're going to want to get together and have some good understanding around before you meet with your new billing team or even a potential new biller. So the third thing is going to be kind of that, the numbers thing, right? So if you go to a new biller and you're trying to figure out you know, Hey, I need to, can you help me? Can you figure out, you know, are you the right fit for me? There's going to be a list of things they're going to ask you for. It's going to be a number of claims per month, right? Cause this kind of determines workload, right? Claims, you know, that need to be scrubbed, screams that need to be, uh, reviewed that are going out to the clearinghouse. Next is going to be net collections per month. As you know, most billers, they charge a percent, um, especially if you're over a certain threshold. So net collections per month is important, one, so that they can help create a plan around percentages, but also that allows you to understand payment posting. So it gives you some understanding of workload around payments that you're posting, whether that's insurance or or patient. Understanding accounts receivable. So remember, accounts receivable, that uh, chunk of money that's owed to you, typically it's viewed in as, a, a, you know, charges, right? So if you have a $1,000 due to you because that's a $1,000 you charged to Healthcare, that's what's in your account receivable. And you're gonna wanna know the aging buckets of that accounts receivable because that's gonna tell your new billing team, especially if they're gonna be taking over that amount, how much work is that gonna be? Remember, claims that are over 90 days are harder to get paid. Those take more time and effort. There's usually more issues with those. So that's important for the team to know. So, right, we got number of claims, net collections, AR, by aging bucket. And then next is kind of the, what level of service do you need? And this is really important for everybody to get onto the same page, because even our own business, you know, I, you know, we've not been super clear on the level of service they need until we get in there. And then we're kind of starting to develop and figure out okay the policies and procedures and what's going on in the practice what level of coding support they need uh, what level of eligibility and prior auth ex- you know exposure they have and so all of this tends you know even with the best of transition plans and the best of meetings beforehand you know a lot of this stuff you don't get in. You don't know until you get in there. So if you are able to really outline, okay, do you need patient phone calls returned? How? What is the call volume of that? Is is that just when patient statements go out? Do you have any idea from your billing team what patient call volume looks like? Do you need somebody live answering those phone calls or just returning phone calls? All of that gets really important to understand. And again, you as the physician and the practice owner may not know all of that. You may be thinking right now gosh I don't know any of that and that's okay I think it's just understanding you know to get onto the same page to make sure it's resourced appropriately having all of this information or as much as you can is just gonna have better experience for everybody um, the other thing is coding. And we've come across this where really understanding what level of coding support the practice needs. Do you need somebody reading all of your charts, all of your surgeries? You know, what level of true coding support do you need? Do you need a complete, you know, coding support where the coder is going into a blank bill, a blank super bill, and looking at your chart and coding it completely? Or do you need some level of coding support where they're reviewing and understanding if you missed a CPT to add that in, or your typical arrangement. And this is important. Most billing companies are doing a scrub. A scrub is very different than coding. A scrub is, oh, I had two CPT codes, I forgot a modifier. That is a scrub. Coding is when I'm reading a chart, reading a ultrasound, reading a surgery report, and actually picking out the CPTs or identifying the CPTs that need to be billed, or changing an ICD-10 diagnosis based on what I'm seeing in the chart, you know, did something get missed and I need to change an ICD-10 code because the one that was dropped by the physician doesn't meet, again, that medical necessity rules. So then you are having a coder or somebody who's very knowledgeable update that. And that's just a different level of service. There's nothing right or wrong about either of these. It's just what level of service do you need? And that helps your billing team resource appropriately that helps you understand what costs will be so that everybody's in a really good position. Because the last thing you want is your billing team to come on board thinking you need X level of service when you really, you need a premier level of service and then they've not staffed appropriately and it just kicks off the relationship in kind of a, you know, not an ideal setting. Now, again, all of this, at least with our own company, and as many of you guys know, we have a full service medical billing coding company You know, for us, it's not it's not so much that it can't be changed. It's just if we are gonna change it, we've just gotta understand what the needs are. You know, for me, I'd much rather an office have what they need. And so even if we're midway through an arrangement, I would much rather change things, give them what they need so that everybody's revenue where it needs to be. And operationally, they can figure that out. So number four, pair portals. I know we've talked about this. Please, please, please make sure you have the admin passwords for these. We've got to make sure that these are organized. Who are you credentialed with? Who are you not credentialed with? Put that in a policy and procedure. Make sure that there's payer portals so that when the new billing team comes on, you can give them access to all of those. All right. So now that we've talked about kind of some things to put together, now it's time to start interviewing, right? Start identifying the billers that have the subspecialty experience Make sure that they are tracking and trending your metrics, or that's the plan that they would have for you. How do they do that with their current clients? How do they manage your denials? How do they manage communication? How often are they meeting with their clients? These are some of the most important things. The other things I like to think are really important are, are they developing policies and procedures for your practice? Are they coming up with mechanisms to educate in case there are issues with denials? How do we coordinate all of that? because all of that is going to be what makes your what makes you successful please understand your practice will never be without issues or things that come up it's how you manage and deal with those and work together that is going to make it a successful partnership the other thing is if your current billing team if you're leaving leaving on good terms if they're willing to meet and go over you know their process with the new billing team you know share maybe where they've struggled that's even better. I know that's not always possible, but it's great when that can happen, especially if they can be transparent and really detail-oriented. Again, a lot of times you're getting in there and flying by the seat of your plants those for a few weeks because you don't have all that information. And so it's just important to have the development of those policies and procedures getting off to the right foot. All right. And last, once you find a good fit, right? You've interviewed your folks, you know what you need, You've gone through what services they can offer. You've figured out truly the process around from start to finish, who's going to do what. Now it's time to have a transition plan and a checklist. You guys know pathologists by background, love a good transition plan, love a good checklist, love a good survey, all those fun things you can put in Excel. Ideally you have, you know, four weeks, but can always do this faster. I really try not to do anything quicker than two weeks then we've got to set up a communication platform. We use Teams, Microsoft Teams for our company, and that works pretty well. Then you've got to start working on the details within your billing process and policy. And this is what can take some time because you've really got to sit down, you know, you know, take out an hour here, an hour there. Um, ideally, if your prior billing team is willing to participate in those, even better if they're not. You know, you can kind of figure it out and piece it together, but this can take several weeks. And now granted, like I said, you can always be doing, you know, billing claims while this is all being developed, especially if there's a longer transition period or say you're not left with a ton of information. And so you're trying to figure out the little nuts and bolts and you will figure it all out. It just may take a little bit more creativity as you figure out your policy and your steps for everything. Your office manager is typically a big help in this process. Um, and sometimes it's you're dropping claims, but kind of figuring out the little nuances around posting payments and, you know, insurance payments, patient payments, and figuring all of that out. Again, super important to have all of your insurance payments funneling directly into the software that your billing company is working on. Sometimes if you're moving to a new software, you have to do what's called EDI enrollments. And so those are just the connections between the payers and the clearinghouse. That can sometimes be a little bit of a headache and getting that set up can sometimes take, you know, two, three, four weeks. So if you do know you're going to have to do a software change, please make sure you have the time set aside to do that. And somebody who really knows how to manage that, we have a team that just does EDI enrollments and they're wonderful. Um, you're going to want to make sure that you have regular charge points during those first few weeks of transition. There's going to be hiccups. Guys, you just got to know, there's going to be hiccups. But how you manage the hiccups is what makes things successful or not successful. And so we typically like to have a weekly touch point during those transition times. And then we slowly migrate to where we're just reviewing metrics on a monthly basis after that. Now, it's important to share expectations so that everybody can be successful. You know, your biller can't read your mind. And so sometimes we need to make sure, you know, why were things set up some way? You know, is there a a, an appetite to changing ways that maybe something was set up in the past with an an old team that now we can automate and make improvements to. Are there reasons why those improvements may not work for your office or are you open to trying those? All of those things are really important so that everybody can work to, to improve a billing process because it really is a coordination between the physicians, the front office, the office manager, the billing team. And so, I really just encourage open communication, meetings, text messages, phone calls, whatever is necessary. Like I said, team effort, right? So you have to work together and make sure that, you know, everybody understands what everybody needs from each other. And last of all, you guys probably know my golden rule is just be a good human. I think everybody just on both sides, everybody just needs to be a good human and it will all work out. And really at the root of all of this in the right partnership, each party just really has to have that same goal of achieving growth and revenue, and that there may need to be processes on both sides that need to improve in order to make things easier and help support the practice. So as you guys know, we own a full-service medical billing and coding team. We have been growing, improving processes with our own practices that we work with, and most of all, helping physicians grow their own revenue. We have several large practices. We have several subspecialties and really, you know, several of those we've seen an increase in over 25% of their revenue compared to their 12 month trend prior to us joining. And how do we know that? We track their metrics. We actually track these 13 month views of financials so that we understand how things are going. So if you are looking for a new billing partner, please reach out at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. You can head over to our website at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. And as always, if you are enjoying this podcast, share it with a friend. We are trying to help educate and streamline processes for as many physicians as possible. You guys have a great night, great weekend, and we will talk to you soon.